Am I loud? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. You're perfect. Oh, I am perfect. You are perfect. After about another glass of this, it's this... very weird hearing yourself. Isn't it? Talk through this. Try editing and hearing yourself over and over again. Like, that's just no the and worst. I think the hardest thing about this is... It's already, you hate hearing your own voice as it is. Yeah, I hate my own voice, but I've kind of gotten used to it over like all the time that we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, By the good. way, everybody, this is Tipsy Tales and I'm being joined by my friend Carlene. Hello, everybody. And um, I briefly spoke about Carlene on a different episode when Philip and I were talking about psychics and I was like, well, I have a psychic friend and guess who's my psychic friend? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Does Philip believe? Um, do we need to show him? You do need to show Philip. I would be. I like that. I don't <laughs> mind a skeptic. Yeah, he's a little bit of a skeptic. I don't mind a skeptic. So, how was your week? I'm trying to think of exactly what my week was. Do you ever go a whole week and then realize you don't remember anything that happened? Oh yeah, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, it's not even like it was an exceptionally busy week. Well, we had lunch last week <gasps> on Friday. That was exceptional. Had some pho, some delicious pho. It was very good. <laughs> I forgot to tell my son, who is... He's a pho lover. Pho real. <laughs> pho real. That was a good one. You know what we're reminding me of? What? Saturday Night Live. They have... <laughs> Where they do the um, sweaty balls. Oh, sweaty balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's delicious. Yeah, I like sweaty balls. Mmm, sweaty mm. balls. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that for the longest time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. How was your week? It was pretty good. A little bit eventful, mostly involving a toddler. Mm. And then my new venture. Um, I've started buying furniture and fixing it up and selling it. So. Okay, hold on. You're very gifted at that, so... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It'll but go. It'll go. One way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> It'll go. And cha-ching. Cha-ching. Okay. Uh, I'll believe you. I have faith in you. We are drinking Francis Coppola Wine Diamond Red Blend. And it's a 2014 and it's really, really good. We started drinking before we even started the podcast right now. No, I could use a straw. <laughs> Or an IV, just like IV. tap a vein. <laughs> Is this classy? It's been done before. <laughs> I've been known to drink out of the bottle. Oh. And a particularly stressful week. I was just telling Carlene about my whole um, oh my God. <laughs> shitty dog adventure. <laughs> She'd never heard that story before. We were talking about that before oh we even God. started. That's the best She thing. almost fell out of her seat. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even breathe. Oh my gosh. That's the best story. That's a good party story. It is a good party story. It gets better when I'm drinking. Oh my <laughs> The facial expression of a three-year-old dipping his finger in the water. And in the in the dookie water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smile on his face. <laughs> oh my gosh. You just had to be there. Mmm, shreddy balls. Oh my god. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. And Great. that's it. We're done. Yeah, we're done. We're done for today. <laughs> oh, my. All right. So I'm I'm going to go first because usually we do the um, true crime stories first. Okay. And then I'll let you tell your story. 
because you have a good story for us. I think it's good. Yeah. So my story's on Jack the Ripper. Only because he's been in the news lately because of some DNA thing. What? Yeah, they, um, I guess there were, they still had like one of the victims piece of clothing or something and there was DNA left on the clothing. So they decided to use it to match it up, match it up to one of the descendants of one oh, of the like suspects. Familia, what do they call it? Familia DNA or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, and I guess it went nowhere, but. Oh. It it brought it to mind, so I wanted to. How do long it. ago was that, Jack? Eight, that's it. Yeah, eighteen eighty-eight. Oh my God, my story is eighteen eighty-eight. Are you serious? No lie. That's a quinky dink. That is a cosmic coincidence. Amazing. <laughs> we are. We are super connected, connected, girl. So connected. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so like I was telling Carlene earlier, you guys are going to get the full Wikipedia treatment today because it has been that kind of a busy week uh, that I didn't really have time to personally write my story. So everything is coming from Wikipedia. FYI. Wikipedia is always right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Not. So blame Wikipedia if my information is wrong. Nobody like email me or text me and say you got that wrong because I got it all from Wikipedia. So anyways, here I go. Jack the Ripper. He was an unidentified serial killer. All right. The wine's already taking effect. (laughs) Generally believed to have been active in largely impoverished areas in and around Whitechapel District of London in 1888. In both the criminal case files and contemporary journalistic accounts, the killer was called the Whitechapel Murderer and Leather Apron. Have you ever heard that? No. Have you ever watched any documentaries or anything with... Have you no, ever... I just watch <laughs> reality TV all day long. Do you really? No. I love documentaries. Yeah, that's my... We were just actually talking about that right now before we started. I love documentary. But have you ever watched any with Jack, Jack no, the Ripper? No, I have Nothing? not. Because I'm afraid that that stuff is going to stick to me. Really? <laughs> I'm going to be bringing through Jack the Ripper. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. <laughs> Maybe his victims, but... Does that happen? Yes. Sometimes when you're talking about stuff. So, like, yeah. when we're talking about this... Yeah. People... Well, even the story that I was doing... Right. I was, I was doing so much with it that I did think... You got that... connections? Interesting. Well, let's see what happens. <laughs> It can only be good that comes through, so Jack the Ripper himself wouldn't. No, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to come through at all, ever. Only good. Never, 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 never. Only light can shine through all this. All this spectacularity. (laughs) As you shine and glitter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not all you can see, but I have a giant light shining behind me. (laughs) My eyes are glittering. I think it might be the light bulb behind you. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh, Wine makes you think you're all that, girl. Right. But you are. That and a bag of chips. Oh. Okay. So back to Jack the Ripper. Attacks ascribed to Jack. I hope you guys can all hear Shorty in the background. She's kind of snorting. It's not a horse. It's just Shorty. <laughs> I'd be wondering if they can hear me breathing heavy. <sighs> 
No, I'll cut all that out. <laughs> okay, good. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, go. So attacks ascribed to Jack the Ripper typically involved female prostitutes who lived and worked in the slums of the East End of London, whose throats were cut prior to abdominal mutilations. And that seemed to be his MO. Um, the removal of internal organs from at least three of the victims led to proposals that their killer had some anatomical or surgical knowledge. Like a lot of people think it was a doctor or something. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> Taking a deep breath. <laughs> you didn't want to do it. It was grossing me out for a second. All I can picture is somebody. Ugh. Oh, wait, the, the hey, descriptions you know, get worse. No. Do you know what I think right off the bat is somebody that works like on, on a farm. Right. Or in a butcher. Right. Someone like that. Yeah. And I think. Um, that was one of some of the theories is that oh. it could have been somebody that, you know, worked with meat or like somebody that definitely knew anatomy right. for sure. Rumors that the murders were connected intensified in September and October 1888 and letters were received by media outlets and Scotland Yard, Scotland Yard <laughs> from a writer or writers purporting to be the murderer. The name Jack the Ripper originated in a letter written by someone claiming to be the murderer that was disseminated in the media. Basically the same stuff that they do now. I can imagine like if Jack the Ripper was like in our times, like CNN and everybody would have it all over the place. This is the thing though. I don't think that they should give murderers any publicity whatsoever. Kind of like what they did in New Zealand. Like they didn't show his face. They didn't like, they didn't like name him. No, that's exactly right. Because I think that's why so many copycat. They want to go down famous, I think. Right, like the Zodiac Killer. There was a bunch of copycats from that, right? Like they hear all the details, so then they... crazy people out there. If somebody murdered me, the last thing I want is for them to... Get notoriety. Get notoriety, yeah. Yeah, I hate that. The letter was widely believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists in an attempt to heighten interest in the story and increase their newspaper circulation. I could totally see that. Nice. But the name stuck, obviously. There was another letter. Um, it's called the From Hell letter. Did you ever watch From Hell with Johnny Depp? No? Uh, I like watching all of Johnny Depp's movies, but I don't remember hearing that one. Yeah, it was about it was Is about it Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Well, oh, it's about Jack the Ripper. Of yeah. course it's scary. No, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like scary movies? I used to. I watched all the Saw movies with my kids, but as soon as I started doing what I do now for other people and being more active and doing it, I can't watch that stuff anymore. Really? Not so even movies? Mm-hmm. Not even documentaries, though? Yeah, I watch very few. Well, like I used to watch Dateline and um, those ID, that ID network or whatever, right, where you yeah. watch all those. But I think that has a lot to do with having my daughter at college, worrying about my kids. Right. I feel like if you put it out there, then it can happen. So I don't even want to think about putting it out there. Right. Yeah, I kind of went through a little bit of that um, this last year. Towards the end of the year, we were doing a lot of these murder stories and kidnapping stories. And I was just like super affected by that because Serena had just moved out. And I was just like every story like I could just like in my mind like 3d imagine something happening happening to serena so it was just like i was having anxiety up the wazoo oh yeah it was the worst if i watch 
what is it? Special special victims. Oh, special victims. What unit. is it? Um, Darn God. it! It's gonna drive I, me crazy. Law and order. Law and order. <laughs> Thank you. But if I watch that, I because those are all about sexual abuse, right? And I immediately am like texting Allie. Okay, I need to get you mace. I need to get you whistle. Right. <laughs> Exactly. The you worst things be- go through your head. Because, yeah. But there is, there's monsters out there and they're, they walk on two legs. Yeah. Unfortunately. And they do look for these young college, young girls, pretty like Serena and Allie. That are alone, alone. and unaware. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Think that nothing's going to touch them. I was that. You were that. We were all that. We were all that yeah. in a bag of chips, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Or at least I thought I was. I thought I was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, the From Hell letter uh, received by George Lusk of the White Chapel Vigilance Committee came with half of a preserved human kidney purportedly taken from one of the victims. The public came increasingly to believe in a single serial killer known as Jack the Ripper, mainly because of the extraordinarily brutal nature of the murders and because of media treatment of the events. The media causes so much i think not only hysteria but i think they cause more of this kind of stuff to happen right like we said because they're making people famous from it i think they're creating that demented it's going to happen anyway i'm not saying that they are the reason for this stuff to happen but i think they make it a little more easy easy and exciting and to a sick person acceptable Right. And because they are getting attention that they crave, they continue to do it. And they like the Zodiac killer. He was like teasing the investigators throughout, like sending them letters and they would. Yeah. Right. And the ones that kill themselves after they do. I'm going to go down famous. They know their name will be known for a while anyway. Right. So. All right. I'm sorry. There's a lot of sick people out there. Sick puppies. Anyways, extensive newspaper coverage bestowed widespread and enduring international notoriety on Jack the Ripper, and the legend solidified. A police investigation into a series of 11 brutal killings in Whitechapel up to 1891 was unable to connect all the killings conclusively to the murders of 1888. Five victims, Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly are known as the Canonical Five, and their murders between 31 August and uh, November 9th, 1888, are often considered the most likely to be linked. The murders were never solved, and the legends surrounding them became a combination of genuine historical research, folklore, and pseudo-history. The term Ripperology was coined to describe the study and analysis of the Ripper cases. There are now over 100 hypotheses about the Ripper's identity, and the murders, murders have inspired many works of fiction, from hell being one of them. It's a really, it's I'm a have really to go good look movie. It yeah, it's a really good movie. I'm going to pull it up. I'm not watching it by myself. We can watch it together. Oh. Let's do that. I'll cuddle on the couch. <laughs> Um, the large number of attacks against women in the East End during this time adds uncertainty to how many victims were killed by the same person. Eleven separate murders stretching from April 3rd, 1888 to February 13th, 1891 were included in a London Metropolitan Police Services investigation and were known collectively in the police docket as the Whitechapel murders. 
Opinions vary as to whether these murders should be linked to the same culprit, but five of the 11 Whitechapel murders, known as the Canonical Five, are widely believed to be the work of Jack, R- Jack the Ripper. So I'm, I'm on, I kind of like cut out everything that had to do with the ones that they kind of pulled out based on like the way they were killed. And I'm just going to kind of go over these canonical five. And like I said, those were Mar- that was Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. Nichols' body was discovered at about 3.40 a.m. on Friday, August 31st, 1888 in Bucks Row. Now Durward Street, Whitechapel. The throat was severed by two cuts and the lower part of the abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep jagged wound. Several other incisions on the abdomen were caused by the same knife. What a horrible way to... No. I think your your brain, your body just kind of shuts off after... I don't know. Like, I hope she was not alive when he... Like, slicing her. Yeah, when he did all of that. Chapman's body was discovered at about 6 a.m. on Saturday, September 8, 1888, near a doorway in the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street, Spitalfields, Hanbury Street, Spitalfields, Spitalfields? Wait, say it with an accent. Spitalfields. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to anybody that's listening in Great Britain right now. And Carlene will be back. (laughs) (laughs) That was a terrible, terrible accent. Um, As in the case of Marianne Nichols, the throat was severed by two cuts. The abdomen was slashed entirely open, and it was later discovered that the uterus had been removed. Oh, my. And why? Why? What is his mom? Like, is it mommy issues? Yeah. Maybe we'll find out in your Wikipedia. (laughs) Wikipedia knows everything. Everything. All right, yeah. And at the inquest, one witness described seeing Chapman at about 5.30 a.m. with a dark-haired man of shabby genteel appearance. Stride and Eddowes were killed in the early morning of Sunday, September 30th, 1888. Stride's body was discovered about 1 a.m. in Detfield's yard off Burner Street, now Henrique Street in Whitechapel, um, the cause of death was one clear cut incision severed the main artery on the left side of the neck. Oh, that was short and sweet. Yeah. Thank God. So they do. He does that, and then he like goes in and makes all these cuts and takes. So trophies? does he have some mercy for them to make it short and sweet? I, I don't know if you can call that mercy. On the right side. <laughs> I know. But then, Dad, what is it with the organs? I, I know one of the theories that when I was listening to some of the documentaries were that, you know, a lot of, like, scientific places would buy organs. Oh, black market? The black market would, they would, just for, like, experimentation and, you know, like, for research. I don't know. With this guy, I bet it was more Trophy. for himself. Uh. He stuck it in a bathtub and put his finger in it. And oh, my it. God! <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> and he had a wicked smile on his face. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't resist. <laughs> All right. No, I'm, I'm sorry. It's okay. The cause of death was one clear-cut incision, which severed the main artery. That's what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
The absence of mutilations to the abdomen has led to uncertainty about whether Stride's murder should be attributed to the Ripper or whether he was interrupted during the attack. Witnesses thought that they saw Stride with a man earlier that night but gave differing descriptions. Some said her companion was fair, others dark. Some said he was shabbily dressed, others well-dressed. And it was a very, very overpopulated, this area right here during this time was like super, super overpopulated. Like it was a very poor area. Women basically, you know, to survive, they were resorting to prostitution just so that they can make ends meet. So like, this is the area that this all happened in. Oh, I mean, that would make sense if he was selling organs, right? But also, if there's a car accident and there's four witnesses, you're going to get four different completely different stories so that makes sense to me that they don't give a same description description. everybody sees something different or recalls recall is weird oh recall where you think that you will remember everything your memory plays tricks with you right you're really not as clear about something as you might think so maybe maybe jojo didn't smile at me Maybe. No, I'm pretty sure he smiled at me. Maybe he didn't put his finger in his <laughs> mouth after dipping it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know he smiled at me, that kid. I'm just, at least he didn't jump into the bathtub. You know, it would have almost been better if he oh, did, because I could have just turned on the shower and just showered him off. Oh my God. Oh. Okay. I still wish we had video going. That would have been amazing. <laughs> All right. So Edo's body was found in Mitre Square. Mitre Square. I'm going to go with Mitre Square. In the city of London. Three quarters of an hour after strides. The throat was severed and the abdomen was ripped open by a long, deep, jagged wound. So hold on. He's fast. Yeah. He's super fast. That's a, that's another thing. Holy is like, cow. Literally, like, the body's still warm, the blood's still, like, he he works fast. Well, maybe it is selling organs. If he can work that fast, maybe he's putting them on ice and shipping them out. Do they have ice back then? No, I don't know. (laughs) I just pictured an igloo or something. Right. (laughs) Igloo sitting, yeah. (laughs) Putting it on a helicopter. (laughs) I mean, at least he had a good side. He was sending it to the hospital. Right. No. Sorry. I had to take a long, long sip after <laughs> this all that. This is really hard work with disgusting. Carlene. <laughs> Disgu- no, no. No, trust me. This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep finding your spot. That's that's my life. Oh. I always lose my place. I should just put my finger. This wine is delicious. It is really delicious. I finished this. Good wine. Before we're done. Really good wine. Got uh, any sweaty balls to go with it? <laughs> No, but we have some carne asada later. <laughs> and, and all I'm going to be thinking about is sweaty balls. balls. I like the way mm. they feel in my mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, everyone, this is Carlene. Yeah. And um, I do readings. <laughs> I'll bring in your loved ones for And she'll you. talk about sweaty balls. And at I'll this talk time. about sweaty balls. I have no class. I mean, that's just how it is. 
So Edo's body, like I was saying, was found in Mitre. Yes, I will have some. Was found in Mitre Square in the city of London, three quarters of an hour after strides. A local man named Joseph Lowend had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder, and he describes seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been Edo's. His companions were unable to dis- confirm the description. Edo's and Stride's murders were later called the double event. Wait, Duh. so that's the, is that like the second person to describe him like that? or One shabby? said shabbily dressed yeah. and the other said well-dressed. So they, everybody's, I guess it depends on, you know, what's, what side of the tracks you're on. I'm going to go with he's shabby. Shabbily dressed man who's very good at dismembering somebody quickly. All right. So part of Edo's bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a tenement in Golston Street, Whitechapel. Some writing on the wall above the apron piece became known as the Golston Street Graffito, Graffiti, Graffito, and seemed to implicate a Jew or Jews. Wait, and- is this, explain that. Somebody, after something was happening, they found graffiti? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, above the body. Oh, so this is like new. Right. Are they trying to say that it's the same person doing that? Yeah. What What do you think? I think it's the same person. Why'd he change his... M.O.? All of a sudden, though. I don't know. Well, the street graffito seemed to implicate Jew or Jews, but it was unclear whether the graffito was written. It's, it's weird for me to say graffito. Yeah. Is he writing the... Gra- Let's call it graffiti. Let's okay, call the it graffiti. Is he writing it with blood? Well, it's not saying that he wrote it. Oh, it's just saying somebody did. Um, But it was unclear whether the graffito was written by the murderer as he dropped the apron piece or was merely incidental. Like somebody else had put it up there. And he just happened to kill somebody. Right. right In that spot. Okay, I hear you. Such graffiti were commonplace in Whitechapel. Police Commissioner Charles Warren feared that the graffito might spark anti-Semitic riots and ordered it washed away before dawn. And also there's this area, Whitechapel, there was a lot of um, Jewish population in that area too. And But there was also that anti-Semitic stuff going on At there. At that time? Yeah, so... So were these other women, does it... Did we get to that part or is it going to... About the graffiti? About the nationality of all the other women? I think that they're all white. They're all white. Are they Jewish or is it not? They don't know. Um, I don't think they ever really mentioned whether they're Jewish or not. And I don't think they were. So I think they maybe were all... it just didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, but I think, I, I think the graffiti was there to implicate the fact that they thought Jack the Ripper was Jewish. It was, it was part oh, of that. he's Jewish. Yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, they were they, they were finding like some way to blame the Jewish population okay, well, for I what just was going. That's a bunch of yeah. So, like like I said, the police commissioner told them to wash it away because he was afraid it was going to start riot riots and the whole lynch mob thing was going to happen. You know what I mean? Kelly's mutilated and disemboweled body was discovered lying on a bed in a single room where she lived at Thirteen Millers Court off Dorset Street, Spitalfields, at ten forty five. 5 a.m. Friday, November 9th, 1888. The throat had been severed down to the spine and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. The heart was missing. So now, yeah, everything and the heart. Grossed out right now. Yeah. Um, one of the documentaries that I was listening to, this this particular woman, it was like he got to like complete his, he went in and did the whole 
nine yards on her. And none and none of these the women were sexually assaulted. There was I was just gonna ask that if yeah, there was any kind of sexual yeah. yeah. So that's that's weird too. I mean they're all I mean he's attacking ladies it's all of the women. night. Yeah, and they're all prostitutes. I'd love to know more about his history, but right. nobody knew but nobody who knows. he was. Yeah, exactly. He's gone. That's why he's so notorious is because he's never caught. The canonical five murders were per- perpetrated at night on or close to a weekend, either at the end of the month or a week or so after. The mutilations became increasingly severe as a su- series of murders proceeded, except for that of Stride, whose attacker may have been, in- whose attack had hadn't been probably interrupted. Uh, Nichols was not missing any, any organs. Chapman's uterus was taken. Eddowes had her uterus and a kidney removed and her face mutilated. And Kelly's body was eviscerated and her face hacked away, though only her heart was missing from the crime scene. That is, uh, that's, but it's bizarre. Not all of them are treated the same. Right. But it's like, I it didn't know he was each time it escalated, he only, except for in the case of Stride, where they said he probably got interrupted in the middle of doing it, but everything, every other case, every other murder after that, it seemed to escalate. I didn't like know he was, he was attacking the face. Yeah. I think that was the only one. Who is it? Kelly's body was eviscerated and her face hacked away, which is kind of a whole different kind of, when they attack the face, when they. That's it. That's anger. Yeah. Well, it's all disgusting frustration, I suppose, but that's like a hate. Yeah. Um, Historically, the belief that these five crimes were committed by the same man is derived from contemporary documents that link them together to the exclusion of others. In 1894, Sir Melville McNaughton... Assistant Chief Constable of the Metropolitan Police Service and head of the Criminal Investigation Department wrote a report that stated the Whitechapel murder had five victims and five victims only. Similarly, the canonical five victims were linked together in a letter written by police surgeon Thomas Bond to Robert Anderson, head of the London CID, on November 10, 1888. Some researchers have posited that some of the murders were undoubtedly the work of a single killer, but an unknown larger number of killers acting independently were responsible for the others. Authors Stuart P. Evans and Donald Rumbelow argue that the canonical five is a ripper myth, and that three cases, Nichols, Chapman's, and Eddowes, can be definitely linked, but there is less certainty over Stride and Kelly. Conversely, others suppose that the six murders between Tabram and Kelly were the work of a single killer. Dr. Percy Clark, assistant to the examining pathologist George Baxter Phillips, linked only by the murders and thought that the others were perpetrated by weak-minded individuals. So copycat killers? That's what it sounds like to me. Induced to emulate the crime. Yes. McNaughton did not join the police force until the year after the murders and his memorandum contains serious factual errors about possible suspects. All right, so the investigation. The surviving police files on the Whitechapel murders allow a detailed view of investigated procedures in the Victorian area. So Queen Victoria was... She was even following these murders. Interesting. Can you imagine her? Like, I mean, in 1888, she's already kind of like up there a little bit. But yeah, she was very interested in what was going on. And she was even kind of like spurring things on saying, search this place or search that place. Okay, that's 
That's good. That's good. And that's their version of reality TV. Yeah. Right. right. The the media back then. Right. Yeah, they were they were waiting for those newspapers every day and everybody's like stuck to them. Oh, I mean it's before radio and TV and I can only imagine. A large team of policemen conducted house to house inquiries throughout Whitechapel. Forensic material was collected and examined. Suspects were identified, traced, and either examined more closely or eliminated from the inquiry. Modern police work follows the same pattern. More than 2,000 people were interviewed, upwards of 300 people were investigated, and 80 people were detained. And I've read some stuff saying that the police didn't really care, or that it was a botched investigation, but it sounds like they were pretty thorough for that time and place. I think anytime there's something unsolved, people are going to go after the police and tell them that they're not doing their job. Right. Because they get frustrated. And, and there's also that fear that's per- right. perpetuated out there. They're like everybody's looking around corners and wondering who the next victim's going to be. Well, and I think to anybody who doesn't do that can't imagine how somebody can get away with it, not be caught. But it happens, especially back then. They didn't have fingerprints. They didn't have DNA. Uh, that's what that's why I'm saying. It's like the fact that they like interviewed this many people in right. this I mean, they I, were on it. It sounds like they were. And I think they knew the media was all over it, too. So, I mean, even more. Um, the investigation was initially conducted by the Metropolitan Police, Whitechapel Division Criminal Investigation Department, CID. <laughs> <laughs> Headed by Detective Inspector Edmund Reed. After the murder of Nichols, Detective Inspectors Frederick Aberline, Henry Moore, and Walter Andrews were sent from the central office at Scotland Yard to assist. Um, the City of London police were involved under Detective Inspector James McWilliam after Edo's murder, which occurred. So it sounds like there's different like uh, divisions divisions on this, which occurred within the City of London. The overall direction of the murder inquiries was hampered by the fact that the newly appointed head of the CID, Robert Anderson, was on leave in Switzerland between September 7th and October 6th. Um, During the time when Chapman, Stride, and Eddowes were killed, this prompted Metropolitan Police Commissioner Sir Charles Warren to appoint Chief Inspector Donald Swanson to coordinate the inquiry from Scotland Yard. A group of volunteer citizens in London's East End called the Whitechapel Vigilance Vigilance Committee patrolled the streets looking for suspicious characters. So they were basically the mob. Uh. Um, I don't know, like concerned citizens. Partly because of dissatisfaction with the police effort, they petitioned the government to raise a reward for information about the killer and hired private detectives to question witnesses independently. Well, could you imagine back then? There's no cameras or anything, so to be afraid to walk on the streets? Right. Imagine us letting our girls walk out. No way. Yeah, that would have been pretty scary. Right, so now the citizens are like, we're going to head it up ourselves. We're going to take things into our own hands. And another, I I think it might have been a podcast that I was listening to, but um, they said that the murder rate was not very high. Oh, I couldn't imagine it would be back then. And for this case, like the reason it like kind of like captured everybody's minds because, you know, like they didn't have like serial killers like this. I mean, murders were usually domestic violence or, you know, it was pretty easy to like 
figure out what happened. But this one was just like just captured everybody's attention because it was just so out there. Like it wasn't something. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, Butchers, slaughterers, surgeons and physicians were suspected because of the manner of the mutilation. So kind of what you were. How terrible would it be? If you're like a surgeon next door, right? Your neighbors, everybody's just looking at you. Like, are you the guy? It's a you. I've seen you with prostitutes. Yeah. (laughs) You have your niece over, and they're like prostitute. (laughs) Make sure she comes out. Oh, a (laughs) a surviving note from Major Henry Smith, acting commissioner of the city police indicates that the alibis were investigated of local butchers and slaughterers with the result that they were eliminated from the inquiry. A report from Inspector Swanson to the Home Office confirms that 76 butchers 76 butchers and their slaughterers were visited and the inquiry encompassed all their employees for the previous six months. Some contemporary figures, including... Queen Victoria thought the pattern of the murders indicated that the culprit was a butcher or a cattle drover on one of the cattle boats and plied between London and mainland Europe. Oh, that would make it harder for him to be caught. Right. If he's and if there was like distance somebody on the between... move. Uh-huh. Crazy. Yeah. Right. Whitechapel was close to the London docks, and usually such boats docked on Thursday or Friday and departed on Saturday or Sunday. The cattle boats were examined, but the dates of the murders did not coincide with the single boat's movements, and the transfer of a crewman between boats was also ruled out. At the end of October, Robert Anderson asked police surgeon Thomas Bond to give his opinion on the extent of the murder's surgical skill and knowledge. The opinion offered by Bond on the character of the Whitechapel murders or murder is the earliest surviving offender profile. Bond's assessment was based on his own examination of the most extensively mutilated victim and the post-mortem notes from four previous canonical murders. 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 Okay, sorry. Are you using their accent? Red wine. That's their accent. <laughs> All five murders, no doubt, were committed by the same hand. In the first four, the throats appeared to have been cut from left to right, in the last case, owing to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say in what direction the fatal cut was made. But arterial blood was found on the wall in splashes close to where the woman's head must have been lying. Okay, all the circumstances surrounding the murders lead me to the form the opinion that the women must have been lying down when murdered, and in every case the throat was first cut. So that was his MO, that he cut their throats first. There's something about him that... He was, he had mercy where he wanted them to die quickly. Because they said something about the artery being right. cut. And I'm like, well, at least he was nice enough to let him have a quick death and not have to feel. Because remember earlier you were asking, I wonder about them feeling. Right. But it doesn't sound like they felt anything once that first cut was done. Right. So they were, they were dead. And he was he had mercy to a at least that <laughs> I, I hate to give him any credit but yeah yeah so bond was strongly opposed to the idea that the murder possessed any kind of scientific or anatomical knowledge so i guess that rules out doctors no 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 well wow, that's his, this is his opinion yeah, that's his opinion okay or even the technical knowledge of a butcher or horse slaughterer 
In his opinion, the killer must have been a man of solitary habits, subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania. Wait, I'm sorry. Who are we talking about that knows so much? Thomas Bond, actually. Thomas Bond, to give his opinion on the extent of the murders. I don't know. Maybe he was like a, um, like a major criminal profiler of the uh, time. I don't know. I'm going to qualify us more. <laughs> <laughs> With all of our extensive yeah. Wikipedia knowledge. Yeah. Our reality TV. And all, all of our episodes of Game ID. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones, of course, yes. That's the bloodiest show on TV right now. Right. Everybody dies. Yeah. Hope not. Not Jon Snow. Oh, come on. He's so cute. Hey, you know what? Let me... Sorry. Game Go of ahead. Thrones little FYI. I watched him on something uh, where they asked why he didn't wear a hat. Uh-huh. The whole time they're like, it's freezing cold and you never wore a hat. Right. He said that they would not let him wear a hat because of his hair. Jon Snow's hair. Because it was his major identifying right. feature. Yeah. But, you know, we all we knew about his hair already. I Everybody mean, we'd seen him. that was like, like it Jon wasn't going to kill anything for him to. To them, they thought. That was everything. Jon Snow's hair was you know everything. it was written in his contract that he couldn't cut his hair well they wouldn't even the want him a hair hat so <laughs> that doesn't surprise me yeah oh i can't wait it's it tomorrow makes sense because as soon as it was over he went and cut his hair right he did i like him better with long hair though so. yeah he is. he is wait do you know who his wife is yeah yeah uh the redhead yeah i can't remember what her actual name is so yeah, okay. really cute. They make they made a cute couple. They had really yeah. good chemistry. We should just do so. a whole podcast on, on Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> I I've, I've been saying this forever. I'll do it with you. <laughs> we could do the play by play as the whole season goes, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what what our theories are? Oh, you know they said there's like a million literally a million theories and none of them are right. Really? Nobody guesses them. Hmm. I wonder what J.R.R. Martin thinks. Have you read the books? No. But, okay, but the books supposedly already ended, so this surpasses okay. the books. So he's he hasn't finished writing the books. What? There's still two more books that are supposed to come out. Okay, well, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, the wine is working. It is. Okay, Game of Thrones should not end this season then that's what i'm saying well okay so up to the part where Jon snow is basically murdered by all his guys at he got castle murdered. black yeah did you what? see you didn't see that what what when he got murdered when he was oh, oh he when was, he died that one time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. okay god you just scared <laughs> um so that's where the book ends ends oh, right there so, so everything the that came let him die yeah okay so that's where the books end and J.R. Martin has not J.R. Martin has not finished writing um these last two books. He's taking freaking forever. But whatever. So everything after that, they kind of I mean he gave them a roadmap and said this is where I'm going. But yeah, I can't wait until he's So you've read the books. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Cause I was sitting here like But I'm not one of those yeah. sure that that would run it for me or make it for me. 
I don't know. I always look at like um, between the books because I also watch Outlander. I don't know if you watch that either. Everybody has told me I need to watch that. You, you need to watch that. But I look at the book, the, the books and a mo- and the shows as like two different like versions, like two different worlds, like interpretations, whatever. Like I, I try not to be that person. <laughs> my problem is I make such a movie of it in my brain. Right. That if I watch something that somebody else has made and it doesn't match up with mine, it kind of it ruins, ruins it. It ruins it. It doesn't ruin it for me. Well, that's good for you. Well, something sometimes, but <laughs> remember, I don't let you, it get to me. Did you ever read Bridges of Madison County? No, I did not, but I did watch the movie. Okay, so I read the book, then the movie came out. I already had certain actors and actresses in mind, and I had the the movie in my head from reading right. the book, and then the movie came out, and it ruined it. It killed it for you? Yeah, but then I watched, it's on Netflix or Hulu, and I watched it recently, and I was like, that's the best movie. Yeah, so I think I think the best thing is to be far removed from like right. actually reading it. That way, when you see it, it's almost kind of like a different. Yeah, yeah, it's a different thing. I agree. Alrighty, back to Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just stop oh, now and just keep on talking. talking <laughs> we turned it into Bridges Madison County and Game, and of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. <laughs> In his opinion, the killer must have been a man of solitary habits, subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania. With the character of mutilations possibly indicating satyriasis. Uh, do uh, don't ask me is? to I say don't. that three times fast. Bond also stated that the homicidal impulse may have developed from a revengeful brooding condition of the mind or that of religious mania may have been the original disease, but I do not think either hypothesis is likely. So why did you write it? Okay. I don't think it had anything to do with religion. You don't think so? No. No. No, I would say mommy issues, sexual issues, something that, if anything. Like he had something with women. Something with women, something, for sure. Some repressed issues with women stemming right. from his mother. And yeah. my own professional yeah. psychological <laughs> Wikipedia degree. Call you doctor. <laughs> <laughs> there is no evidence of any sexual activity with any of the victims, yet psychologists... <laughs> But wait, not everybody thinks sexual behavior doesn't always... You have G-O-T on your calendar. (laughs) calendar. (laughs) All the important stuff is on my calendar. See, Colleen recording on the 13th. Oh my gosh. And G-O-T is the 14th. Okay. But anyway, not everybody acts out sexual fucked upness in sexual behaviors like jacking off or molesting somebody. It would come out in possibly something like what Jack the Ripper was doing. It doesn't always have to come out in a physical way. Physical, a sexual way. Right. Way it could come out in cutting out somebody's uterus, mutilating somebody's face. Right. I okay. mean, I remember when we were young, my mom told me, she said, she her stories, she should have been a newscaster because she would say I'm so dramatic. And she would say, there was a woman running on the canal and they found her chopped up. Somebody chopped off her boobs and her legs 
that that to me is sexual behavior. It, chopping off her boobs right. is a sexual behavior. Right. That to me would be somebody has something against women. Yeah. No, I agree completely. So it doesn't have to be just some, they don't have to rape somebody first and then kill them or kill them and rape them. That doesn't always. That's not always what gets people off. No. Ugh. 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 Okay. I should be a doctor. You should be. <laughs> Psychologists suppose that the penetration of victims with a knife and leaving them on display in sexually degrading positions with the wounds exposed indicates that the perpetrator derives sexual pleasure from the attacks, like you were saying. This view is challenged by others who dismiss such hypotheses as an insupportable supposition. Okay. Over the course of the Ripper murders, the police, newspapers, and others received hundreds of letters regarding the case. Some were well-intentioned offers of advice for catching the killer, but the vast majority were useless. Hundreds of letters claimed to have been written by the killer himself, and three of these in particular are prominent. The Dear Boss letter, the Saucy Jackie letter, oh, it's actually a postcard, and the From Hell letter. The Dear Boss letter dated uh, September 25th was postmarked September 27th, 1888. It was received that day by the Central News Agency and was forwarded to Scotland Yard on September 29th. Initially, it was considered a hoax, but when Eddowes was found three days after the letter's postmark with one ear partially cut off, the letter's promise to clip the lady's ears off gained attention. Eddowes' ear appears to have been nicked by the killer incidentally during his attack, and the letter writer's threat to send the ears to the police was never carried out. The name Jack the Ripper was first used in this letter by the signatory and gained worldwide notoriety after its publication. Most of the letters that followed copy this letter's tone. Some sources claim that another letter dated September 17, 1888 was the first to use the name Jack the Ripper, but most experts believe that this was a fake inserted into police records in the 20th century. Oh, that's weird. So after, way after when the 20th century started? Somebody put it in there to bring what? I have no idea. Attention, drama? Okay. A movie? (laughs) The Saucy Jackie postcard was postmarked October 1st, 1888, was received the same day by the Central News Agency. The handwriting was similar to the Dear Boss letter. It mentions that two victims were killed very close to one another. Double, Double event this time. In um, parentheses, which was, it was in the letter, was thought to refer to the murders of Stride and Eddowes. So that's why it was called a double event. Mm. Okay. It has been argued that the letter was posted before the murders were publicized, making it unlikely that a crank would have such knowledge of the crime. So before he did the two murders back to back. Sent that in? Sent that in. That's so that you're bold. saying that could be the most legitimate? Yeah, that's making it unlikely that a crank would have such knowledge of the crime. But it was postmarked more than 24 hours after the killings took place, long after details were known and being published by journalists and talked about by residents of the area. Okay, that just seems like it just... That just contradicted itself. Yeah, completely contradicted it. (laughs) Wikipedia! All right. The From Hell letter was received by George Lusk, leader of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, on October 16th, 1888. It's Clarence. He got his wings. Sorry. It's my my ring. (laughs) Yo, what is that? Um, Okay. 
The handwriting and style is unlike that of the Dear Boss letter and Saucy Jackie postcard, and the letter came with a small box in which Lust discovered half of kid half a kidney preserved in spirits of wine. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. But they think that could be a copycat or the legitimate? I think they think it's legitimate. They hadn't, well, I don't know that they think the kidney was legitimate, but I think they think the from hell letter. I don't know. The handwriting and style is... You are not a part of this podcast. You are here as a guest. <laughs> you went out. The kidney was examined by Dr. Thomas Openshaw of the London Hospital, who determined that it was human and from the left side, but contrary to false newspaper reports, he could not determine any other biological characteristics. Openshaw subsequently also received a letter signed, Jack the Ripper. Scotland Yard published facsimiles of the Dear Boss letter and the postcard on October 3rd in the ultimately vain attempt hoped that someone would recognize the handwriting. Charles Warren explained in a letter to Godfrey Lushington, permanent, I love these names, <laughs> Lushington, permanent undersecretary of the state for the home department. I think the whole thing a hoax, but of course we are bound to try and ascertain the writer in any case. On October 7th, 1888, George R. Sims in the Sunday newspaper referee implied scathingly that the letter was written by a journalist to hurl the circulation of a newspaper sky high i could see that yeah i mean they would do that today right the police officials later claimed to have identified a specific journalist as the author of both the dear boss letter and the postcard the journalist was identified as tom bullen in a letter from chief inspector john littlechild to george r sims dated 23 september 1913 a journalist called Fred Bess reportedly confessed in 1931 he and a college student at the Star had written the letters signed Jack the Ripper to heighten interest in the murders and keep the business alive. Wow. So anyways, there you have it. They never found the guy. He literally got away with murder. Literally. 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 And all the different, like, theories out there. It's interesting. Interesting. Makes what do you, you think? wonder how so, many other people are out there that have gotten away with stuff. Well, and they think too, like, like Maybelline, like he was Maybelline? either went to Maybelline, <laughs> Maybelline, Maybelline. Every time we mess up on a word, we should have to toast. And then drink another one so we can mess more. Um, they think that either he was caught, that he died of natural causes, that he himself was killed, like, because the murders just stopped. I did think that possibly he got caught but for doing something else. Right. But I think, let's just kill uh, Go ahead. <laughs> kill it. I do think that he, I mean, he never got caught for the for the things that he actually did. Right. But he did, got away with murder for real. Basically. He never paid the price for his crimes. If he got arrested for something, it definitely wasn't for murdering somebody. Right. And, or I'll say, think that he maybe just emigrated somewhere else, but then he would have carried on. He would have kept doing it. it. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe he did. Maybe he did. It just didn't get the notoriety because of where it was. I think he just died. Think so? I don't know, but I don't know anything. Either that or he went to jail. Uh, He He got caught doing some other petty crime. Yeah, went to jail and then died. Got killed. <laughs> Got killed in jail. Somebody gutted him. 
They caught him gutting somebody else and they took care of him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, definitely some sort of women it stopped, issues. Though. When did they say it stopped? Did they? Probably did. That's okay. I, I think it didn't finish printing. Because <laughs> it just kind of just... Here, I was well, like, wait a minute, I know the there was more. of Wikipedia. Well, it would have been after the last murder, right? Oh, that's what I'm asking, I guess. Oh, so it would have been like in 1888. So that's when he it, started. It all happened, yeah. Oh, it's a one-year span? Yeah. yeah. How many did he kill? Because they all happened in 1888. All of them, like, within, like, weeks of each other. Oh, it was just like a, a killing span. spree. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's scary. <laughs> so what do you got, lady? You have another bottle? I possibly do. <laughs> did, did you see my wine rack out there? <laughs> that. It's impressive. More impressive than my two bottles on my wine rack. <laughs> That comes from the fact that I don't really drink a lot, and I actually collect wine for special occasions, such as this. Oh, my son. My son goes by my stove. I have two bottles of wine, and he's like, you don't even drink these bottles, and he pulls them out. There's dust all over them, and I said, that's my cooking wine. <laughs> Go ahead, have a taste. You're like, that means I don't cook. <laughs> Well, there was no, an, don't you dare there, accuse me of not drinking wine. Nope. There was this old lady I lived across the street from in California who was straight from Italy. And uh, in her basement was these barrels of wine that her husband made prior to his death. And she would say, just get the cheapest wine and the best part of like the wine that she had is when it gets really thick right. at the bottom. She says it makes the best spaghetti sauce. So you put it in with your... I'm giving everybody my cooking secret. You're welcome for Alma's <laughs> wine and my secret. Uh, the 20 but, people that actually listen yeah. to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have more time yes. Anyway, so yeah. So she told me the secret was pretty much bad wine and so whatever wine i don't drink i just keep on my stove pour it in red wine not white wine it has to be red wine mm-hmm. but i use that so when it my, gets like, like thicker kind of gross yeah yeah like, it's been sitting there for a bit or it's just cheap you know the um remember those big jugs i know they still have them but the big jugs and they have the carla rossi sticker. yeah Galago yeah, like <laughs> or whatever yeah. it was oh yeah that makes some good cooking wine. Really? Hmm. I'm going to have to try it. You're going to have to tell me a recipe for sauce. Shreddy balls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. My turn? Yep. Your Mine turn. Mine is on the Del Coronado uh, haunting of... Well, the Del Coronado has a lot of hauntings. Right. But the most famous haunting is her name is kate morgan and there's yeah there's been books written about her and everybody goes and checks into her room there's like a year year and a half waiting list to check in to the room that she's is it in san diego it's in yeah san diego so you know when you're in san diego you take that bridge right to it's coronado island right and it's that big victorian with the red roof and all that Mm -hmm. so pretty i love i'm not kidding the sand is whiter and cleaner there is it I took my kids over there just to play in the white sand. 
<laughs> so I asked Aiden if he remembered me taking him to that hotel. He's like, I remember it. It was really dark. It is. It's a dark hotel because it's classy and it's it's all like that dark wood on the inside. Right. But it, it was home to a lot of very famous people. They've done a lot of famous movies there. Uh, Marilyn Monroe was stayed there often and did movies there. Ronald Reagan, Lyndon Johnson, Johnson, mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. Father, yeah, yeah, president, so right, right. He actually held shoot some big shindig there. Really? Yeah, yeah, they did a lot. Gary Cooper. It's a lot of old. I'm sure newer stars have been there, but it's kind of cool just to think of all the old people that have been there. Right. Anyway, uh, oh, 1888. It's when this happened. Right. Um, but the hotel was actually, no, the hotel was built in 1888. Oh, uh, okay. Or the late 1800s, but I I saw that it was 1888. Kate Morgan died in 1891, I think. Okay. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> my I see that you wrote yours out. I did write it out. So you're a out. very patient person. Because I'm I just did. like, type, but type, I, type, 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 type. Yeah, I don't. In this case, it was more copy paste, copy paste. My computer. Most of the time, I'm trying to like pull information from different sites, but yeah, yeah that was. No, I'm a writing kind of person. You like to write with. I remember things better when I write them, but I kind of just already told you a large part of it. So right. Kate Morgan. So what happened done. to her? But anyway, um, well, there's a few versions. Did I say virgin or version? Depends on who you ask. Edit. <laughs> no, all right. I'm going to read from my thing now. There's a few versions of the Kate Morgan story. The one that I'm telling you is from the hotel staff. I don't need to read that. Okay, so there was several books. I read one that was Morgan's story, The Ghost of. But I did see this man that actually worked at the hotel and ended up writing a book and he's on YouTube. There's a little blurb of him telling the story. To me, sounds like the most thorough, incredible story. Okay. Where everybody else's just kind of sounds like the investigating, as we saw with Jack the Ripper, right. was a little... More of opinions. Yeah, kind of shoddy back right. then. And yeah, it was guessing and opinions. Right. This guy did a lot of research and... What he found to me sounds way more credible. I'm not giving you that story. I'm going to give you what the hotel say, say, say is. <laughs> From down south. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what they say is. Um, but this man, just in case anybody wants to know, it's called Dead Move. And he says the reason they he called his book Dead Move was because in a hotel when somebody wants to move rooms. Right. Which, in this case, it was somebody who was staying in Kate Morgan's room. Right. And she was haunting them. They got scared and asked to move rooms. So they did, and they called it a dead move. So when they move somebody rooms, they call it a dead move. Okay. So he was like, hey, I'm going to name my book that. And his name is John T. Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N. And that's his book, but I would, I think I'm going to read it just because I want to know more details on this. Sounds interesting. It is interesting. The book that I read is called Beautiful Stranger, The Ghost of Kate Morgan and the Hotel Del Coronado. I don't know who wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Halfway the course on this podcast. Right. Now, <laughs> if you watch a lot of the like YouTube stuff and a lot of people, because there's so many stories out there, some people think she hung herself. Others will say she shot herself. Most of the stories are that she shot herself. I'm going on she shot herself. Some of the stories say that she was waiting on a lover. Others were saying she was waiting for her husband. I'm going to tell you my version. Well, the hotel version. Right. Anyway, on November 24th, 19... Nope. 1892, uh, a young, beautiful woman checked into a hotel, the Hotel Del Coronado, all alone, which back in those days to check into a, be young, beautiful, single, checking all alone, into a, unaccompanied all, by a man. Oh my gosh, you have no man with you? That's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the scandal right. was already, she checked in as Lottie Bernard. That's kind of a big deal in this story that she checked in under that name. Okay. Uh, She was very pale and sickly looking and she arrived with no luggage and she wanted whiskey sent to her room. Really? Yeah. So they were like, she's not, you're not feeling good. They all took note of that. All the employees took note. She's a single woman. Right. She's very beautiful. She's sickly looking. No luggage. No luggage. Whiskey? And she wants whiskey. Yeah. Medicinally? Right. Oh, girl. So all that was like very memorable things for all of them. She stayed there for five days. On the sixth day, walked outside, went downstairs, and shot herself. That's where an employee found her dead. Okay. So upon all these investigations of finding her body and um, the fact that she checked in under... This, what was it, Lottie Bernard? She was a single woman with no luggage, sickly, checking in under Lottie Bernard. There's no Lottie Bernard. There was no identification. Nobody knew who she was. Okay. So they had to have a sketch made of her. So the police had a sketch made of her face and sent that out to all the police agencies and to all of the newspaper all around the country, country to all the newspaper publications. Did, and did the, she shoot herself in the head? Shot herself in the head. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that postmortem sketch had to be pretty uh, hard to do. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna. Can you guess. imagine being the sketch artist? Yeah, yeah no. Uh, but they did say she was a really pretty girl, so maybe she didn't self up too much. Okay. I don't know. Or maybe that was just the description of the hotel workers could be yeah they did say that on in the hotel like interviews they were saying that she went down oh i'll tell you i don't know if i come to that later i'll just tell you now but she goes during that five-day stay at some point she goes into like san diego or somewhere and gets the pistol where there's other reports that they say that the bullet to her gun and the bullet that they found that shot her were different. So there's all these stories that maybe she did not kill herself. Maybe somebody murdered her. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of conspiracy. Again, right. conspiracy theories. Right. Everybody's got theories. Right? It's more people that get their hands in the pot. The Yeah. Start picking it apart. And sometimes people see things that other people don't see. Or some people 
see things that are are not there but they just want to make something more of it it's just you never know well and think about it it's like the game telephone i mean and the longer it goes down i mean this was over a hundred years ago right so time goes by and one person's telling another and the story goes on gets bigger yeah somebody's got to put their spin on it it's true yeah so so just the fact that they don't know whether she was hanged or if she was shot in the head nobody's around to tell us the real story right i mean according to right like i mean i'm sure an original person did tell but again we got the game of telephone i'm gonna believe there's some truth in there somewhere yeah, I'm going to believe the hotel's version because the hotel, they I'm assuming, would document what happened on their premises. Well, and they have the most vested interest in her story, right? right? Well, and at this point, they're making a lot of money I'm off sure. of it. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, they don't ever have to worry about that room being <laughs> empty. <laughs> oh, people still rent the room? Oh, my God. There's like a year and a half waiting list. To get in that room. To get in that room. Ew. We are some weird freaks because we like to rent rooms where we know there's the possibility that we are going to come in contact with some sort of spirit. All right. Speaking of that, you and I talked about San Carlos Hotel. Oh, I want to do this. Yes. So Carlene and I were talking and we talked about possibly, uh, and I know that Yvette and I talked about this before on the show, but the fact that Yvette is, she will not do this. She will never stay the night in the San Carlos Hotel. I talk to dead people. Yes. <laughs> Which would make it ten times more interesting. So, yeah. Coming soon, yeah. we we will probably be doing um, a podcast and maybe some um, live Facebook or Instagram oh my gosh. Uh, moments in the so San Carlos. Fun. So, just letting you guys know right now. Okay, I have to tell you some of the funniest things. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Okay. But while I was YouTubing some of these stories and watching what people were experiencing in this room, which I had her room number 3327. So people were requesting. It it used to be another number, but then they moved it back to 3327. I don't know why they changed it. Anyway, I'm watching these people in this room and I watched this one of these three, four boys, teenage, teenage boys, and they do these challenges where they come and stay in haunted rooms, I'm assuming. So they decide they're going to do Kate Morgan's room. Super excited. Yeah, they're super annoying. Oh my God. (laughs) But they remind me of like my boys when they were that age talking to their friends. I was like, oh. Anyway, it is the funniest damn video I've ever seen. These kids go in there. They're like, they go first going up the elevator and the old man, they're, these are old fashioned elevators like from the 1800s where they have the gate that they close. And so the old man that is the bellhop. Right. So he is this old, hunched over old man. And they say, hey, is there anything you can tell us about Kate Morgan, Kate Morgan's room? He says, yeah, she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) So they're already creeped out now. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you something about her. She's dead. 
And so then they get to the room. They're like, you guys, this you should smell this hotel. It smells old and everything. Oh, dude, it's old here. And they're just going on. It is the most obnoxious thing. They get in the room and you could tell these are very privileged kids because they're like, oh, it's so small the 1800s that's big back then and they're like it's so small in here oh my god i'm not taking a shower in here it's too small everything's small right so they're looking around and and then they decide that they're going to go into the tunnels which i had no idea there were tunnels in this hotel right so they they ask permission i guess that's not granted a whole lot so they go observe these tunnels the lights go out in the tunnels they freak out oh my god i know Even well i would yeah i'm not a teenage boy of, but this kind of if the lights go off yeah. <laughs> i might be clawing you trying yeah, to get yeah. out of there and they just kind of blinked on and off and then the um the security guy's like hey that's never happened in all the times that i've been here that's never happened Ew. and he's like some weird stuff has happened here but not that and so they finish the tunnels. They go back up to the room. Their TV is on. And they're like, and it's not on just a channel. It's right. on like, you know, when your cable is on a channel that you don't get and it's like all checkery and not coming in. Right. That's what's happening. So they're like, Did you guys leave the TV on? Did somebody turn? No, we would have noticed if it was on. They did not leave the TV on. The TV got turned on. I will tell you, Spirit turns my TV on. And their favorite thing to do is, like, if I fall asleep with it on, is to, like, crank up my volume. So I get woken up. Are you serious? (laughs) Oh, it happens all the time. I'll, like, I'll tell if Allie or one of my kids are home, I'll be like, did you guys hear how loud my TV was? I clearly did not go to sleep with my TV that loud. And my remote is not anywhere where I would, like, roll over on it. I... I am my biggest skeptic. I will debunk everything. Right. It's not anywhere where that would happen. But so these boys are freaking out. Well, then they decide they're going to go to sleep and the alarm wakes them up in the middle of the night, whatever. It just starts going off. Beep, beep. And as it's beeping, it starts getting louder and louder. And all you hear them, dude, I swear to God. God, I didn't do it. I swear to God. Sounds like an episode of Ghost Adventures. Okay, that's what is the funniest thing. But I was getting so annoyed with the swear to God. I swear I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Anything? Anything. I didn't do anything. I swear. And I was like, his voice suddenly became like a little toddler. He's talking. So I was showing Aiden and Zach, my son and his friend, last night. And I'm like, listen to how they're talking. They went from like hockey, like, you should smell this hotel. It smells really old. It's kind of creepy, too. I didn't didn't do anything. (laughs) If I had to get their diaper changed, too. (laughs) Then then they notice. The, okay, the, uh, when the TV was on, the fan started going, and I even noticed that the fan was not, and it started going full blast, which right. Kate Morgan is known for doing that, turning her fa- the fan on in that room. Okay. Then they notice the alarm, they shut off, 
and they could hear the water running in the <gasps> bathroom. Something turned on the water? So now they're like, did you turn on the water? I swear to God, I didn't turn. I didn't turn on. I swear to God. Did you do that? I swear to God. That's all you hear. And they go in the bathroom and it's on hot. And he's like, it's hot. You could tell. I don't think they were acting. I think this is legitimate. Only because I watch so many videos of the same kind of stuff. Like, she likes to go in the bathroom and turn on the light and turn on water. Okay. She likes to turn on the fan. She likes to sit on the bed. She likes to move the sheets. And she likes, which spirit does this anyway. I feel weird if I go to bed and spirit doesn't touch me. Because to me, it's like they're tucking me okay. in. Okay. <laughs> Sounds weird kinky. if they don't fondle me at night. But if they don't, if they don't like, um, I can feel them touching my sheets, and that's like they're sitting next to you. But that's what she does. She sits on the bed. I guess there's some people have said that she's kind of tugged at the sheets, which a lot of energies do that. Right. I just think some people are more aware of it than others. Okay. I think some of us are just so busy in our lives that we don't like, don't pay attention to the yeah, little thing. Yeah, we don't thing. calm down, or we brush it off as something. And then the cool breeze—they felt that it would get really cold in the room, which spirit does that, right? Also, well, and when you're staying in a place like that, I'm sure your senses are heightened, heightened. because you're expecting something right to happen. Now, now there was one man that went into, it was a totally different room that he kept saying was, which a couple people went into this room. So I don't know if she was a person that stayed there often and she stayed in a couple different rooms. He said he was in the room that she stayed in. He kept saying the room that she died in. She didn't die in the room. a room. She died outside on the stairs. And he kept saying, she's moving a piece of paper and it's broad daylight and I haven't, really heard anybody recount any stories that happened in the daytime he kept saying he he has video um he's looking at the bed okay. and there's a piece of like a pamphlet and he keeps saying do you see it it's moving kate morgan's moving this piece of paper and he'd say and you can clearly tell there's a fan blowing it right and he's he says okay kate this is proof that kate morgan's in here Move the piece of paper onto the floor, Kate. Just move it to the floor. Well, if you put a piece of paper on the edge of your bed and have your fan going, eventually it's going to end up on the floor. Right. Eventually, I I don't know. I didn't watch it long enough to see if it fell on the floor. But after he panned out, lo and behold, the fan is blowing. So you can see that... Kate Morgan, Hello. Kate Morgan probably isn't moving that piece of paper. It was the fan. Right. Wow. Like I I have no problem debunking things and people. There was another couple that called themselves the ghost family or ghost hunter family, and they kept panning out and saying, "Do you?" They'd they'd write, they'd circle stuff and say, you know, uh, the green light. As she's saying yes to my questions, there's a green. What they're referring to is an orb, what right. they think is an orb, I call energy. And they'd they'd say that it was circling them or something. It was clearly a reflection right. from 
their camera and the lights behind them. But I just think it's kind of funny how people are so desperate to see something. They also circled something like it was coming from a window, like it was a ghost standing in a window. And clearly it was a reflection of the light, you know what I mean? In the room. Yeah. Or coming from Um, off of, there's a lot of lights on the grounds. And so, of course, that's going to bounce off of the the windows. Right. So there's a lot of debunking. When when they're getting evidence of stuff, like different shows that I watch, like orbs are probably the most controversial one because, you know, it could be dust. It could be light. It could be, I've read, and you can tell me because I know we've talked about orbs before, but I've read that usually like if it's an actual orb, it's not a perfect circle. It's usually pretty like um, rough around the edges or has, it's weird. They're weird. It looks like, I don't know how to describe If I'm going to draw, uh, I always tell people if I zoom in on energy if i've taken a picture i zoom in to show people that's what we are if we uh, um you know when you get like static electricity when you're at costco mostly right (laughs) yeah why is that it's because we are electricity and so when i catch one that i can zoom in on and show it looks like i want to say like an atom you know like a big there's, you could see the electricity in it. Right. So you could see all, the bright and then the the actual, I don't know how to describe it, the electricity in it. But when I catch, if I'm going to catch some a, your spirit loved one on my phone, right. I'm going to ask them to go in front of you. Or I'm going to ask that you will know that's not a speck of dust. They're right. going to do something. I um, My cousin passed away and I was talking to his son. And after we hung up, I was like, come on, you know, he needs to see you. Like he needs a visual. We are human beings that need to see it to believe it. And he, he needs to see it to believe it from you. So I went in my front room and I asked him to show himself. And he came, I always will say like, come to my camera and you see him just like right up to my phone. And so I sent that to him and was like, there's your dad. That's healing for him. Right. I'm not doing it for uh, entertainment or to be like, you know, I, I was doing that. It's for healing for his son. Because so he knew that's what he, specifically what he needed. He right. needed something to right. see. Right. Or I'll take people outside and it, it I I always caution people in doing that kind of thing because you don't, you don't know. I know who I'm pulling through. I know who we're protected, who I'm protected by. But if you're just doing it on your own, right. you don't know what doors you're opening. Well, it's almost like the same. doing a Ouija board. You exactly. don't know what you're bringing forward. Like a Ouija boards scare the shit out of me. I yeah, wouldn't ever. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Negative attention wants attention too. Right. And they, you don't know what. A negative energy looks like I wouldn't be able to tell you unless I felt it. And yeah, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to close that door. That's crazy. Yeah. So I just think that sometimes people want something so bad. It's no different than people that do what I do or say that do they do what I do and prowl on people's vulnerabilities and they want to hear it some the vulnerable people want to hear it so bad that they will latch on to anything somebody says right so they're gonna 
believe whatever that person says. I'm really big on validation. I'm going to talk for two or three hours until you get the validation. And that's true. (laughs) I will attest to that because we have been in a conversation for like four hours. Carlene is going to give you every last bit of information that you need. Yeah, Because it's not for me. It's for you. And I want to make sure that you get all the validation that you need to know that they're, you're not here alone, that you're being helped right. by something greater than yourself. Exactly. But Kate Morgan, Kate Morgan, she's not a rested soul. So. so what's your theory on that? Like these people that hang around hotels and whatever, like they, they haven't gone to the light? Well, no, that's what makes me sad. I told my son last night, I said, well, I guess people wouldn't want me to go to the hotel tell because i'd be sending her to the light and then she wouldn't be haunting it anymore right because it makes like even all those ghost hunter shows i get so sad when they're talking to all these or you hear them go help me i know and then it's like they're like did you hear that okay let's go and i'm like but you're not helping them help the soul i'd be helping them i'd send them to the light Exactly. But yeah, I don't like, I think that this is what, I don't know who we're talking to out here, but whoever we are, you can take it for what it's worth. I don't learn from the physical world. I learn from spirit. So I, my belief is God, Jesus, Mother Mary, even Buddha, all of those are my belief. And so I, what I have learned is when if I can hold my phone and get some a soul to speak on it, that is a soul that isn't rested. So if I am in my house and I try and get somebody to talk into my phone, I'm not going to get any, there's not going to be a spirit that's going to like, Hi. Right. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. What's up, Carly? Yeah. <laughs> I, I never get that feeling in your house. No. Your house is like totally peace. Yeah, which and coming from my background to go visit you and that's what Philip and I were were discussing it was like coming from the background that I've come from and to go visit you like the first time that I talked to you I was like super skeptical number one not that not skeptical in the way that I don't think that there's something out there it was just um skeptical in the way the teachings that I was taught about psychic people. Mm -hmm. So I was, I went into your house expecting to feel something bad, some bad feelings, some, but I was totally at peace when you and I spoke. And like, that was, to me, that was one of the biggest thing. And plus some of the things that you told me and then some of the things that you told my son too. So like when you talk to my son, like, my son went from being like thinking that he was an atheist after speaking to Carlene. He was like, okay, mom, I believe in God again. So like, I don't think that your gift is something from something bad, the, something bad. If it brought him back to believing. Oh, I just something. got, look, I'm getting chills. That's what I tell people. I'm like, if what I do is wrong, I, 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 when people walk out of my house, they are much closer to who I call God, but I don't label it for other people. So I will say a higher source, but they walk out having faith in something greater than themselves. And I think sometimes that's, they get more out of what I do under my roof than what they get out of going to an institution, church. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think it's because they get to, I think that's some. 
sometimes a road that we have to come to on our own. I think if it's something that's jammed down our throat, that that will pull us away from faith. Right. And I think that people are taught that religion is faith. And that's not true. To me, religion is man-made rules and regulations. And faith is our personal connection to our higher being, who I call God. Not going to label. Right. But that's what I believe. Even for my own kids, they have to come on to that on their own because that's their journey. I can't, I can't, can't label that for them. I can guide them on their journey, but I can't that journey theirs. I totally agree with you. That's been my approach with my kids. I can guide your kids. (laughs) (laughs) And you have, you have. No, it's been a pleasure with your, your son is delicious. Anyway, back to Kate Morgan. (laughs) Anyway, back to Kate Morgan. I don't remember where we left her. They did a did they do the sketch? Yeah, they did the sketch. They did the sketch. They sent it out to agencies. They received an anonymous letter from somebody who, if you ask me, I think it was her husband. Yes, we are gonna find Kate Morgan has a husband. Oh wow! Soap opera. But yes, I they received an anonymous letter. It basically kind of led them to her story. The more they investigated, they found out more of who they realized her real name wasn't what was what did we say it was? Something Bernard. Lottie, Lottie. Bernard. It's not Lottie Bernard. They realized it was Kate Morgan from Iowa. Oh wow. That yeah. was a long way. Yeah. Well, her and her husband Tom used to travel the trains all the time, all around the country. Okay, so they had money. (laughs) Well. Back then. They had money. Okay. (laughs) Wasn't honest money, but they had money. Okay. They would ride the trains, and she was beautiful. So she would kind of, there's a couple different versions of this, but the bottom line is they would scam men. She would kind of lure them in. They would, one is that they would kind of gamble. He would, she would distract them and he would go in kind of for the kill, kind of. Um, The other version is that she would flirt with these guys and then Tom, her husband, became her brother. She would say, this is my brother. You have to meet my brother. So they were basically grifters. (laughs) 100%. Okay. And so she would bring him back to their room or whatever you call it on a train. And he would start to play cards with them, load them up on whiskey, and then they would steal from them. Basically, is that how, that's how they got their money. At one night, they got in a horrible fight. And Tom said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. I want a divorce. Go on to San Diego without me. Go to Coronado. Stay at the Del Coronado without me. Do your own thing. But I'm not going to go. So she's thinking he just needs to cool off. I'm going to go to the Dell and wait for him. And as each day went, she got more and more depressed because he wasn't showing up. She didn't lose faith, but she got more and more depressed. And then at some point she went and bought the gun. And on the sixth day, she realized he isn't coming. So she shot herself. Oh, wow. Right. So when you were asking me, what do I believe about the that kind of scenario? I I have kind of a belief that 
when somebody's that desperate and waiting for somebody that she shot herself, but her soul remained waiting for him. It seems like a lot of these hotels, Mm -hmm. it's like jilted lovers, jilted brides, Mm -hmm. like, and they're stuck there. They're stuck in this place. Well, think about it. Like, I mean, you're married. That love that you have for somebody that is just so deep. Remember when you were young and you fell in love for the first time and you think, well, married to your first love? Yeah. So when you, but you think they are the everything. They run your whole everything. They are your light. They are the reason for your being. Then to to have that kind of stripped away from you all of a sudden then you're crushed if you were to die at that state it would be hard for you to think that you can move forward i suppose i have a hard time believing that but but at the same time i your soul's your soul i mean if you were that deep one was she young she was pretty she was like 24 oh yeah so yeah She's at that age where it's just like that person is there, everything. And if he's got her in this life, this grifter life, like Bonnie and Clyde, kind of like she's probably like, he's my everything. He's, she's got that, that personality, that attached personality. So I think she lingers at that hotel waiting for him. People have seen her in her Victorian style, you know, gown and then like going in and out of the the room it's like she greets them they to the point where they didn't realize they were seeing a ghost so so i mean she interacts and goes throughout the hotel like an ordinary day and then there's a lot of other ghosts there too that have done more facetious type things like knocking books off the bookshelf in the gift shop and they'll say like this is the ghosts live here. We're just guests. Right. So they definitely have claimed that place to theirs. I don't know. It's kind of... I, what I kind of think is that, that that whole hotel, if you think about Coronado Island, it's an island in itself. And surrounded it's surrounded by water. By water, which is... A conductor right? of... And that possibly... That kind of, it, there was one man that, the only reason I started thinking this is he, he, one of the guys that worked there was talking about, he doesn't like Kate Morgan. She's not a nice person because she made him stay. She trapped him for an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. And those, those boys that I was talking about, he was telling them the story and he, they were like, what do you mean? She trapped you. He said, well, I was, it was the time where we used to slipped the bills under the door. Uh-huh. It was like, you know, three o'clock in the morning. And he said, I was standing in front of the door on the fourth floor and I was going to put the bill under the door. He said, I proceeded to do that. And then I realized I didn't move, but I did move. So I did it again. I went to put the bill under the door. And again, I didn't move, but I did move. Yeah. Are but, you serious? Yeah. And so he was kind of stuck. And then when he was re- when he was talking about that, I was like, that's... That so he was, was like in this little miniature Groundhog Day, like he was just yeah. doing the same move over and over again? For an hour and a half. And he said he had to think really hard to get oh, himself out so of it. Oh, that's so weird. Well, that made me think, that wasn't Kate Morgan doing that. You got stuck in a dimension. Doesn't... To me, that's okay, what just it sounds like. Goosebumps right now. What? You got validation. Okay. I'm right. <laughs> and so what I think is like that whole, whole to be 
as active as it is and for so many different people to to get so many different kinds of experiences and I don't know some of it I think is what people want to see or hear you know but some of it I think is very legitimate and I think that I think my sister might have even experienced something and my sister's sensitive and doesn't want to admit it so because it scares her she's like I don't want it (laughs) but I I think that that you know how people say uh, Sedona's in a vortex. Right. There's vortexes all over. It's not just Sedona or it's not just special places. So possibly Coronado could be like a very special, the kind of, if you go in certain places or you're sens- maybe a sensitive type person, you end right. up in certain dimensions or stuck in certain places. The fact that it's an island right. and it's surrounded by water, water, maybe it's like the spirits are trapped there. Could be because they can't move past. Well, I mean, well, one of the one of the. Think about how active Alcatraz. People say Alcatraz is right. and again. Yeah. That's surrounded by water and on an island, and there's been lots of weird experience. Interesting. Am I on? There we go. Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> but I don't know. I think now it makes me want to go to Coronado for like just to check that kind of thing out. Yeah, I want to go now. Let's go. Let's go. Really but first, expensive. we got to do the San Carlos. Yeah. Seriously, I can't wait. I know. <laughs> I can't wait, too. So is that all you got on Kate Morgan? Is I mean, that I kind of skipped through a bunch, but yeah, that's, that's the, the bottom line. Let me that's see. the bottom line. I mean, it's kind that's of interesting. a cool story. That is a really cool story. That, they almost... ever, that there are some other, let's see, the guy that I was telling you that wrote that book, uh-huh. he says her name is... Oh, wait, it's right here. Lizzie Wiley. That's her real name? He thinks Lizzie Wiley had an affair with a man named John. That's one of the theories. And that she would, what, that is a theory that a lot of people have put out there. That she So was, Kate Morgan's not even her real name? But some people say that Kate Morgan's not even her name, that she um, was like a nanny or a housekeeper or something. And it has to do with the moles on her face, why they said her name wasn't Lizzie, but her name's Kate. Oh, no. so she had different aliases. Interesting. Yeah. They said that the, the woman, I believe Lizzie, was supposed to come back at Thanksgiving and didn't. Kate Morgan died on Thanksgiving. She but died they, on Thanksgiving? I believe so. Was the 24th? November? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's sad. That, That's sad. Is that when Thanksgiving is? Yeah. <laughs> November 24th. Why? Every year. <laughs> Doesn't change. <laughs> It's one of those. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's a cool story. I didn't uh, I didn't know I know it was haunted. Mm-hmm. I know that hotel is haunted, but I didn't know like the, the stories about it. I wouldn't mind like exploring the other people that it's haunted by. Like right. they're, they're kind of getting left out. Yeah, because she's kinda of taking the limelight. She's kind of the hog of it. <laughs> I wonder if she's like the boss, the boss spirit. There's like a hierarchy of spirits in places like that. I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I did a, did I tell you about when I helped one of my friends with her, her sister that was having trouble? No. I don't know if I should say this on here, but she was having trouble with some multiple personality issues. And while I was pulling out they didn't they thought it was multiple personality but when I saw what she was doing I was like hey I think she's channeling and so 
they went ahead she came over she was willing to participate and i was actually pulling energies out of her different spirits that have had (laughs) occupied her really yeah and there was a boss a boss lady that had kind of recruited had a kid in there there were two older women it was and she the the boss lady was the last one and she did not she scared me she didn't want to let go i mean i i was like Mm-mm. god is stronger than you come and get her out <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah oh, wow. praise god that's crazy yeah it was actually but hey she's been great ever since she's not on medication she hasn't been having any trouble since i'm not saying i'm a yay healer but i'm saying i they did it through me and helped her that's crazy but there was a boss right so i think that there are dominant spirits out there just like there's dominant people here yeah yeah like if you're like in a corporation you work in a corporate office there's always that dominant person that kind of like takes over and takes charge i think i'm a i'm a leader but i'm definitely not like a dominant i see your boobies I just saw you pulling up your shirt. I I apologize ahead of time about giving booby flashes. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah, that's pretty. But I suggest the book is super. The one that I read was an easy read. I mean, like a a night you can read it, but it's good. It's a good. What was the name of the book that you read? Beautiful Stranger, the Ghost. What did I say? The Ghost of Kate Morgan. I think if you pull it up, just like I said, you'll right. come up. There's, okay. I want to say there's like four books written about it. Okie dokie. Well, that's a that's, good one. those are our stories for tonight. Thank you, Carlene, so much for joining me tonight. Thank you. I had um, a great time. I'm hoping that you will be a regular guest on the show. <gasps> I, would <love> it. <laughs> I would love it too. Thank you guys for joining us. If you guys want to email me, Instagram me, Facebook me, let us know what you think of the show. Don't and say also, anything bad about Carlene. Don't, don't say, say anything bad about Carlene. <laughs> All right, you guys. Um, this has been Tipsy Tales. This is Alma. This is Carlene. Have a good night. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Biscata, artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.